Hey, everybody. I'm Kelly Ellers. I'm Jeffrey Lennon. And this is Volume Up by The Tees. So we're coming off the heels of NYF Dub 2-4 Fashion Week. What are we thinking? Any hot takes? Oh, there might be some. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's it just like we've talked about things coming in like a lamb and leaving like a lamb. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like it happened. Mm-hmm. And certainly our team was there and they had some really cool content that went live on our socials and is on our.com. I wasn't terribly impressed by the fashions. Ooh. What about you? You know, I, you know, it's always kind of hit or miss, right? Yeah. You either, there's like a trend, an overarching trend and yeah. fashion was okay, but I was liking some of the looks that I'm seeing from a hair beauty aesthetic perspective. That's where like really people shook it up. They did. That was more, much more exciting than some of the fashion right. that we were seeing at Fashion Week. Usually it's the slick back ponytail and you're like, let's call it, right? Exactly. <laughs> and but like, here's what I noticed. Grunge eye makeup, which I probably won't indulge in, but I have an appreciation for. Sure, sure. Lots of hair adornments. Yep. Um, you know a mod sort of look so a big false lash the black polish is back mm-hmm. oh is it ever is it ever you know black liner you know i'm good with all of that and then the creme de la creme for me is the big hair it didn't just stop and start with miley's grammys it's now here the modern 70s brush out is officially here 90s hair no more it's 70s no i'm I'm into that again i think you nailed it the hair and makeup glam nails yeah choices much more interesting than a lot of the frocks and clothing (laughs) the garments were not where it was at but shout out to the teams that built these looks because they were really truly impressive and again we talked about it on the site so we're going to get into a number of hair styles from the different shows um because they were kind of spectacular Okay, so one of the cool looks I loved was actually Becky G's hair by Justine Marjan for the Christian Cowan show. So good. I mean, the coquette leaning into the bows and the striking red braids, I thought were fantastic. Yeah, that one. So we brought it. Shout out to Justine. Again, everybody doing hair much more interesting than some of the stuff that we saw on the runways. I know. But yeah, shout out to... Not sad about it. Pretty glad about it. We love our pros. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) something else that caught my mind is how many times have you sat down in the barber or stylist chair pulled out your phone and like this this is what i want i I, i'm very guilty of this i know uh suddenly when i'm thinking about styles my own texture and color don't really come into play no i'm like but this i know um which is why people get dragged yeah for sure i mean i think it's the thought of like Use it as a tool and then go further in the consultation, right? What do you like about this? Do you like, do you think this particular individual is beautiful? Do you like... Are attractive? (laughs) Because, you know, you pick someone, you're like, well, I should definitely look like that. And you're like, so that's not really going to be the outcome. Yeah. Um, No. Are you looking at just the hair? Doesn't matter what the hair. (laughs) The face and the hair. Then you talk about, do you like warm versus cool? Do you like the brightness around the face? Is it the money piece? Mm -hmm. Is it the curls? Is it the cut? Is it the face framing? So I think it's, you know, really thinking about using it as a consultation starting point. Starting point. Yeah. That's beautifully put. I mean, and so many of our friends that are stylists love and hate the phone for that very reason. Yeah. The jokes, I think, write themselves because of how people suddenly lose their mind and think that this is 
possible for them. Um, and particularly if they're not willing to spend, you know, thousands of dollars for extensions right. or, I mean, my favorite is like the memes of like, well, first of all, that's a wig because. Yeah. Yes, it is. And we've talked about this on a podcast, like mm-hmm. the popularity of changing up one's hair with extensions and wigs, et cetera, because of, you know, celebs that are doing it, people wanting to be able to do those things without thinking about oh, the expense right. that incurs. But yeah, I mean, as a starting point, sure, let's talk about this picture. Um, I often get talked out of oh. said picture because it's not going to happen mm. for me. Yeah, well. Which I appreciate. Then that's maybe a good consult, right? Right. I think another tip is picking hair from the stylist's actual Instagram because they know how they got there, mm-hmm. what they started with versus a random Pinterest photo. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I think that that's so important. Um, some of my best interactions with barbers have been around like I've discovered their work Mm -hmm. I know what they're capable of I generally understand what my face shape etc and then like together we come up with something I love it versus me insisting make me look like that that doesn't work make me look like this person yeah also we've (laughs) talked about this I've never felt less attractive than I'm like when in a barber chair like yeah just the full-blown dysmorphia so like the the delusion Mm -hmm. of thinking that you're gonna look like insert celeb bait like i you know that takes a special breed i think it does it sure does (laughs) when we're talking about you know partnerships collaborations Mm -hmm. with our stylists um, and barbers that are in our lives this next segment i think is exactly that yes we've talked about lena brush on the pod um and now we've actually got someone who's replied so this is really exciting stuff (laughs) um recently we got a question about fashion week and how it can be so exciting and a dream for stylists but is working as a runway stylist obtainable as sole income? Mm. The listener asked us, do you make more money behind the chair for a day or events for New York Fashion Week? Since we connected with lead stylist Tiana Dillegard last week, we asked her and here are her thoughts. Do you make more money behind the chair for the day or at an event for New York Fashion Week? Behind the chair. Care to elaborate? Okay, so for being the lead, I would definitely make more money. So let's just say that. Being the lead, of course, you know, you make more money in that day. I mean, and that's it right there, like behind the chair. Uh, Right. That's tough. That's tough to hear. Tough to hear because it's so glamorous to be, you know, say I'm backstage at Fashion Week and maybe it's just kind of a thing you do for credentialing for fun to kind of scratch that itch. But it sounds like behind the chair is where it's at. Yeah, unless you're the lead stylist and we know that that takes work. It does. I mean, she talked about it in the pod. Um, you're not going to be making as much as if you were to yep. stay at your home salon. So sorry, um, but that's what this is about. Honesty. Indeed. Let's get to the real talk. What can you do? Send us your burning questions for celebrity stylists, brand educators, ambassadors, or C-suite members, and we'll work to get those answered by someone we trust who can lend a brush. Send in your questions via email to volumeupatheteast.com. Love that. This week, we're talking with Erica Noon. Erica is a licensed hairstylist and passionate about blonding services, lived in color, and maintaining healthy hair. She's also a Bellamy certified extension specialist who loves the transformation extensions can create. Don't we all? Continued continued education is a huge passion of Erica's. She's always hungry to learn and elevate her guest experience. She has a vision of one day helping other young, intimidated stylists grow and help them gain confidence in themselves and their work. Make sure that you subscribe, rate and review and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and TikTok at Read the Tease and sending questions to volume up at the 
Now let's talk beauty news. Our editorial team is deep diving to give you the inside scoop from trending celebrity looks to the newest products and the biggest events happening week to week. Let's talk hair beauty culture. So we talked New York Fashion Week, and it is all over the site. Um, the first article that we're going to talk about is lead hairstylist Ebony Frausto served up punk-inspired hair tattoos for the Kalina Strata Fall Winter 24 show. Designer Hilary Tamor gave us all a peek into Kalina's gym for the unveiling of Kalina Strata's Fall Winter 2024 collection titled Stronger. Highlighting femininity as a flex, the collection welcomed inner feminine power to take an outer chiseled form. Serving as lead hairstylist, Bumble and Bumble Global Artistic Director, Ebony Frausto worked in collaboration with Tamor to design the perfect hair look that would complement the New York-based label's latest collection. Using an array of Bumble and Bumble products, Frausto and his team styled punk-inspired slick-down hair with hair tattoos in contrasting colors for the show. Pre-show, the tease was able to chat with Frausto about his inspiration for the hair looks, the pressure of delivering incredible hairstyles each Fashion Week season, and his favorite thing about styling the hair for the Kalina Strata shows. Head to thetease.com for his insights as well as how to get the hair from the Kalina Strata Fall 2024 runway show. As we said, Fashion Week hair that was not boring. We did not see a sad Shenyang. We did not. <laughs> there were these raised, colored tattoo forms. Um, what did you think? Would you do this if the occasion called for it? I believe yes. I mean, I think it was really cool, a unique way to still have that sleek hair. I mean, he said we're flipping the script, you know, mm -hmm. various other seasons. We've had dry hair, colorful, big. And for this show particularly, they were leaning into the masculine energy and a little bit of that punk and metal. So I think it was really fitting mm -hmm. and a really creative way to do that with hair and hair accessories. Yeah, I'm so obsessed with this. And if you go to thetease.com, you can see how these tattoos come to life. We're not talking about just like a color application. There's form. They're sort of amorphous. And yeah, so shout out to Ebony Frosto for innovating because we don't always see that when it comes to fashion week hair. All right. So a little bit of a double whammy here. Celebrity and editorial hairstylist Lacey Redway was among the first to use the just launched Supersonic R hairdryer at New York Fashion Week putting Dyson's smallest, lightest, and highest performing styling innovation to work at the Christian Siriano AW24 presentation. Redway was obsessed with the tool and soon to be, so will I. <laughs> for this show's glam, my inspiration for the look quite literally is a reflection of Christian's collection. When I first saw the clothes, I wanted to mirror the designs and the hair look while also including in blunt and unique textures that created a fun and futuristic look, said Redway. She continued, I'm very particular about how clean the finish of the look is and the Dyson supersonic R professional hair dryer enables me to achieve that with the precise and intelligent attachments delivering optimal heat and airflow. Whew. All right. Mm -hmm. Alongside Redway at the Christian Siriano show, co-leads Jawara and Brianna Cisneros also use the new Dyson supersonic R professional to create the wet look by Wella for Prabal Garum's AW24 runway show hair. To complement this collection, we wanted the hair to look powerful, effortless, strong, and modern through the wet PC look. Using Wella Professionals Ultimate Repair Miracle Hair Rescue, we were able to create this look and bring the runway vision to life while ensuring our model's hair health, said designer Prabal Garum himself. Head to thetease.com for a step-by-step -step on how to achieve both looks for your clients and when you can grab the new Dyson Professional-only hairdryer. All right, Jeff. So both of these were really powerful, effortless, strong, modern looks, again, that we're seeing throughout kind of the theme of New York Fashion Week. Mm -hmm. Did you have a hot take from this one? 
I mean, I was so into the Jawara Brianna Cisneros situation. Yeah. With <laughs> again, I liked as they called it on the T.com, the wet look by Wella. Um, we've seen wet looks before, obviously. Like this is not new, right? But the pieces like plastered across the forehead, I thought was hilarious in the best way. Like it was funny, but also matching the tone of the collection, right? Which was exciting, and like when we actually get to see editorial that works in real life, I'm always a fan. Same. So I thought that was in particular quite exciting. Um, I'm not as partial to gold leaf. Oh. So there's, you know, okay. just to say it yeah. for Lacey, but like pretty, <laughs> pretty. And it fit that collection. Again, not boring, but I'm not going to like, you know, I, I can't imagine that one happening IRL as much. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll give you that one. Yeah. Thank you so much to our wonderful editors for this week's beauty news. And don't forget to check out more stories on thetease.com. Next up, our interview with Erica Noon. Erica Noon is a licensed hairstylist that's passionate about blonding services, lived in color, and maintaining healthy hair. She loves to help clients feel refreshed and beautiful and to watch them leave with a smile. Erica is also a Bellamy certified extension specialist who loves the transformations that extensions can create. She takes pride in making her clients feel noticed, heard, and appreciated. Continued education is also a passion of Erica's. She's always hungry to learn and elevate her guest experience. She has a vision of one day helping other young, intimidated stylists grow and help them gain confidence in themselves and their work. Erica's two and a half year old daughter is the driving force of her motivation to become a successful influential stylist, which is so lovely. All right, today we are joined by Erica Noon. We are so excited to chat all things Salon Pro with you. Welcome to Volume Up by the Tees. Thank you, and thank you guys for having me. I'm very excited, very honored. Awesome, so are we. Well, we want to get into it. First, we're going to talk about your background, and then we're going to get into a term called baby stylist and confidence around being a new stylist. But first, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the salon professional industry? So I would say like 10 years ago, I went to cosmetology school. Okay. And I was like um, obsessed at the time with like the YouTube influencers and like the makeup. And I was like, I'm going to go to cosmetology school and it's going to be great. And then I got like halfway through mm -hmm. and like just took me in a whole nother direction. Okay. So I ended up, um, what, 10 years later, eight years later. Um, so when I got pregnant with my daughter, I decided, you know, I did really love that industry and I did love it. So I'm going to go back and I'm going to awesome. finish school. So um, that's what I did. And I've had zero regrets since. Amazing. I feel like once you get a taste of the salon pro industry, you're like, ugh, I'm hooked. It's hard to leave, right? It is. I mean, because the people, the environment, making somebody feel beautiful every day is uh, an honor, really. Yeah, it definitely is. It's a, it's a very rewarding job at the end of the day. It is. So did you know before kind of the YouTube era that you wanted to be in the pro beauty space? Or did you have any other influences in your life that were were guiding you there? No, um, honestly, I never like, you know, through school, that was never something that I was like, Oh, I think I want to do that one day. Yep. Um, I just kind of like when I think it was like when Instagram became big, and I started like seeing more of that. Yeah. Um, it just like caught my eye and my interest. And um, like, in hindsight, I wish I would have dove in 10 years ago, because I love it that much. Like, I feel like, you know, I wish I could have just loved it a little longer. Right. But it just 
resonated with me when I saw it. And I was like, I want to be a part of that. That's great. Um, now we're going to talk about a term that you mentioned in your bio, but you also made a video about, which we'll link to in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Um, you made this for your channel about a quote, baby stylist. Can you elaborate on what that term means to you? So I actually had, um, seen it on, I'm a part of like a couple, uh, hairstylist groups on Facebook and I had, read something and someone was like, can we please stop using the term baby stylist? And I was like, well, I kind of like the term, like it's true. Yeah. And I feel like a baby stylist is just anybody who is new to the industry is inexperienced, dipping their toes in the water and just trying to like navigate and figure out how to be behind the chair. Yeah. Do you feel that you know, you've seen it. People are like, Hey, let's make this go away. But is it a common term that you're seeing on socials? Do you reference that in your salon? Um, we don't necessarily like reference the term baby stylist in our salon, but our salon does use like, so we have um, a level system. So we do like new talent stylist, master stylist. Okay. And when I read the comment about like, I, I'm so sick of hearing the term like baby stylist, but I felt like that's what some of us are. Right. And I feel like we should embrace it because we are. I love that. Yeah. I mean, everybody starts somewhere, right. And coming into this industry, it can be intimidating. So talk to me a little bit about some of the challenges that you've seen or that, that are out there for young stylists when it comes to building confidence initially. Well, I feel like when we get out of school, we know nothing, Mm. right? Like, we know how to sanitize and we know that a partial foil should be this many foils in this exact placement. And we know the, the bare minimum we lack experience. We're next to stylists that are amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, you're in the chair next to somebody who's doing amazing work and you're just like, can't even wrap your head around how you're going to do that. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've got to believe it's So it is intimidating because like you said, I picture myself, obviously I've not been through beauty school, but my mom was a stylist and salon owner for 40 years. So, you know, I, I understand the process to a point, but I imagine standing there with your first client, your first day at the salon and going, okay, am I going to make a mistake here? Am I doing this right? Is very intimidating. It is. And I do feel like with, now I do love social media. I think it's great. It opens a lot of um, opportunity for people to network and people to learn. But I also feel like there's a pressure with social media because before being a stylist, I had a very high expectation when I went in somewhere. I'm like, you went to beauty school. Mm. You know how to do this. Yeah. And I didn't realize that, you know, they may not know what this new trend is. Mm -hmm. They may not know uh, how to execute what I'm asking for yet. Um, And now that I'm a stylist, I see that. And that I feel like is a, one of the most intimidating things is having someone sit in your chair with this expectation of a great service and, and getting the results that they desire and you possibly not knowing yet how to achieve those results or not wanting to disappoint your client. Yeah, because you think about that consultation and people bring in a photo and they're like, I want to look like this, right? And you're like, but ooh, let's take a look at what maybe I've done on my own personal Instagram, because here's some of the ways that I approached XYZ. So any practical tips or techniques that stylists can use to boost their confidence if they're saying 
If they're listening today going, ugh, this is me. I, I don't know how to get through this barrier. So the most important thing that I feel like I did for my career was assist. Okay. Um, I came out of hair school and I felt like I didn't know anything. I was blessed. I had a um, good friend of mine that I had known for a while who owned a salon um, and she allowed me to come shadow her. Okay. And it turned into me assisting her. And that was the best thing that I did. And I even continued assisting a few months after I was licensed. Okay. I was like, I'm just ready. I need to ask questions. I need to see. And I would say like, if, if you're feeling like you're lost and you don't really know what's going on, like there's nothing just because you're licensed does not mean you have to be taking clients right away. Mm, fair. Ask questions. Yeah. Find somebody that you believe that they do good work. Assist them for free. Yeah. Just work next to them to learn. Yeah, that's so interesting because the salon that I go to, they actually have an apprenticeship program. And so they are literally physically and literally standing there, handing foils, doing all these different things. But there's very much a coaching moment happening, right? It's like, okay, this is why I placed here. This is, you know, the type of formula I'm using and why. And that is very valuable experience. Because like you said, in beauty school, that's not happening. Yeah. Interesting. It's not. And they don't... um you know, they teach you what they have to teach you and they teach you the the foundation of what you need to know, but you do learn through experience. Yeah. And sometimes you have to grasp onto somebody who's much more experienced than you and ask questions. That's a great point. From a skills perspective, I mean, many stylists have, again, that self-doubt with their skills early on in the career, in their career. What advice would you give to those experiencing similar feelings about their skill set and where to go? I would say if you are feeling insecure about your skills, try not to focus so much on the insecure thing. Okay. It's like, okay, like you might not, you might give a good foil, but it might not be great. Mm-hmm. Right. So you might have like a good highlight that still looks pretty, but it's not to your standards, but you might give an awesome blowout. Yeah. So focus on the things that you do really, really well mm. and give yourself credit for those things that you do and handle the rest with just a little bit of grace. Like you're brand new out of school. You, you don't have to be the best of the best. Yeah. Like you just have to be progressively getting better. True. And I feel like that really matters. It very much is like a self-directed learning journey too, because whether you're in a state that requires continuing education credits, then it's a mandatory. Right. But if not, I mean, stylists have to take that initiative themselves to learn the trends, to educate themselves, to have, you know, skills from a financial literacy perspective. And so it very much is an evolving door, an evolving career, right? Yeah. From a continuing education perspective, how do you find that, you know, a new stylist, how do they determine what they're passionate about? Whether it's, you know, lived in, it's extensions, it's vivids, it's men's cuts. How, how have you kind of been on that journey for yourself and really honed into that expertise or your unique focus? So I feel like finding your like niche right? What you um, are passionate about is just by taking everything. Okay. Um, I found that I was not as passionate about some of the things that I thought that I was in school. Um, And I wanted to be like a specialist in one thing. And then I got out and I'm like, wait, I really love this. Yeah. You know, so just by taking everything and kind of um, giving everything a chance. Okay. How do you encourage other stylists, young stylists to embrace that continuing education and learning curve of staying up with latest trends and techniques? What's some of your, um, what's some of the ways that you do that? 
So I do it on Instagram. I have a lot of subscriptions, um, but I know that sometimes it's hard to lack the motivation to do the extra education because you're tired or, you know, you might feel at the time that you know what you know and that's enough, but it's so important. Like continued education is so important. And even when you just start with the basics again, um, I have a couple people that I'm subscribed to that um, the Blonde Chronicles being one of them, right? Mm -hmm. So she's so basic in a lot of her stuff, but I'm like, wow, I, that didn't even click to me until I heard it. Yeah. Um, you just have to like find that motivation and find the drive to just continue. Um, finding people online. I mean, Instagram is a great platform for education. You can do a subscriber. You can find online classes, in-person classes, find what works for you as far as education. Like, what do you prefer? Do you prefer to have a hands-on or do you prefer to just watch it online? Yeah, fair. So what about, what about mistakes? So I'm a baby stylist. I'm terrified of making mistakes. Yeah. Is that part of the learning process? It is. Do you want to share any that you've ever made publicly? Um, you don't have to. <laughs> I will. You know what? I have like such a love hate relationship with mistakes. Mm -hmm. So my boss, who is also like one of my biggest mentors, okay. she's so great. I, I I honestly think that if I would have had anyone else besides like her and her personality, I would have like just thrown in the towel. Wow. So my first six months behind the chair was a whirlwind and I made a lot of mistakes okay. and I feel with mistakes, like you can listen to somebody who's experienced, tell you don't do this because of this, but until you've done it and until you've seen the outcome and until you feel that feeling of, I don't want to say failure, but it almost is right. So you feel like you failed. I feel like that's when it triggers you like, okay, this isn't, this is something I do not want to happen again. This is what I'm going to do to make sure it doesn't happen. Yeah. But I feel like mistakes are where you build your character behind the chair. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel like they have to happen and they're going to happen and you have to give yourself some grace with it. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and then move on and take it as a learning. It's almost an imprint in your brain, right? You're like, Oh, I remember that time I did this and I'm never going to do that again. And it's, it's life, right? In any career, we're going to make mistake early on. Um, and that's how we learn and grow for sure. We do. And you did ask me like, what, if, if there was a mistake that I wanted to share. So I'll just say <laughs> I had somebody come in and like, I'm super trusting. And I'm like, do you have any color in your hair? And she's like, no. Uh, right. And she wants to be like platinum blonde. And here we are halfway through the service. I'm checking her foils and nothing. <gasps> and I'm like, you're not lifting. What is lifting? It's red. Like what's happening here. Um, it turned into gosh, I think it was like a four and a half hour service that ended up with us having to redo some at the end, bring her in, redo the service for free. So, oh my goodness. Yep. I'm a firm believer in the test strand now. Yeah. If I have any doubt, I'm like, <laughs> we're going to do a test strand today. Yeah. I was watching someone's Instagram the other day. It was an extension specialist and they wanted to go really blonde, like you're talking about. And they mentioned that their clients said they had henna in their hair yeah. previously. Mm -hmm. And that that can have a lot of different chemical reactions or even like fumes. And I don't want to say smoking, but there is, it's a trip, right? Right. To get that out. And so I love that um, early on mistake led to another step in your process. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And you mentioned mentorship too, which is a big piece of continuing education. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Um, how, if you, you know, if a stylist out there doesn't have a current mentor, what's your recommendation on how to find a mentor in the pro space? You need to truly look up to their work. I feel okay. 
it can't just be like willy nilly. Oh, I'm going to latch onto you and and hope that I get something. You really have to believe in them and their work and what they do. Um, and the biggest thing too, is finding someone who invests in you yeah. as much as you invest in them. Um, for instance, like the owner of our salon education is a huge deal here. And she invests in us a hundred percent with all that she has, which has helped us grow because sometimes we need that, especially being new to the industry. Like we, I feel like it's easy to lose the drive, yeah. right? If you get a little bit discouraged. Yeah. So finding someone who's just going to push you to go a little bit further. I love that. What is the most memorable experience that you've had with your mentor? Oh, I've had a lot. <laughs> That's awesome. And I've had two really good ones. So um, through school, the girl Colby that I um, assisted and then Brittany now, I just feel like with them both, I've always been able to be myself, be vulnerable and like have that safe space. And I love that. I, I love that. Um, I love being able to pull Brittany aside and ask her questions and, and feel no judgment. Yeah. That's awesome. And that's the best thing when I think about having a mentor is like, that's your safe space to be totally, completely vulnerable and say, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I need you and know that they're just going to pull you up. That's great. Do you aspire to be a mentor yourself someday and kind of pass it on? I do. I would love that. Um, I feel like there are ways that I can help people now, but I do have a long way to go. Um, but I would, I would absolutely love to be that person for somebody else that they're like, I need to call Erica. Yeah, that's great. I need to ask Erica a question. Yeah. I, I love that because our industry is so nurturing in that way. It's so unlike any other industries where everyone is wanting to share, wanting to grow, wanting to give away their tips and tricks. It's really quite, it's really quite special. It is. Um, and you would think, you would think sometimes that it would be such a cutthroat industry, right? Yeah. All striving to be the best, but I have found that there's so many people that just like want to help the next person get to the next. Yeah. And it, it really is. It's a beautiful thing. It really is. Um, let's talk about in the salon, you know, and then also in the salon environment, how do you as a new stylist contribute to a positive and supportive culture? that fosters that continued confidence? Our salon, um, we're just like blessed here, right? I love that. So everyone gets along great. I, I have not had to work in a salon where I felt like I had to truly um, be that light yeah. and, and be the positivity because everyone here really is that way. Um, but just teamwork. I, I feel like just teamwork, encouraging one another. If someone did a good job, let them know. Yeah. Lend a helping hand. Just be a good person when you come to work. Yeah. Be kind. It's pretty simple, right? It is. <laughs> it's so simple. Um, okay, let's shift over to clientele. So in dealing with clients that can be challenging, that can also be really intimidating, right? So new client or even existing client, and you know that they've got a they're picky, they're precise. Mm -hmm. How do you advise? our baby stylists to navigate those difficult situations while still maintaining professionalism and their confidence. So that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> I've had, I've had those moments where you kind of like just want to crumble. Yeah. But the biggest thing that I've been taught is you are the one in control. You are the professional. You might be a new professional, 
but you're the professional. You went to school, you've paid the education and you know what you're doing. Yeah. So you have to really take control. Um, I do feel with, um, we'll just say like testy clients, right. Who might be a little picky or they, they might be a little, uh, aggressive. I'm honestly, it's the best policy. Yeah. And I, I do believe like if they're asking for something that you feel like you cannot accomplish, then you need to tell them, like, I don't feel like I'm the, the stylist that can perform this service for you here. Let me give you the name of a number of somebody who that I think could do this for you. That's great. And I, I also do believe, and I feel like when you are new, it's hard to do this, but you're still a person at the end of the day and you don't have to tolerate being treated poorly. Yeah. And that happens and it doesn't happen often. And I feel like it happens in every industry, but you really just have to kind of set your boundaries, be professional, be kind, but know your value and know your worth. I love that. I'm a new stylist. What are my tips and tricks for attracting and retaining clients? Customer service. Yeah. I feel like we are in the customer service industry. Um, A lot of our Clients come from word of mouth. Oh, do they? Okay, wonderful. When I first started, yeah, I offered a lot of um, free services. If it was a service that I didn't have many clients in, but I knew I was good at and I wanted those clients, I would do model calls. Okay. Do a model call, do a free service, do a service for cost of product only, uh, get permission to post the photos. Yep. I love that. Any advice as we kind of round out um, that you didn't state before that you would give to new stylists who are struggling to feel confident in their work in the salon as they're getting started in their career? I would just tell them just to just to believe in yourself. Okay. And even on the hard days, because there's going to be hard days. Yeah. Right. There's going to be days where you go home and you're like, I don't know if I'm cut out to be in this industry. I don't know if I'm good enough to ever make it. I don't know. Just a lot of I don't knows. Yeah. And you have to not feed those negative thoughts. Yeah. You have to remind yourself that you are licensed, that you've made it this far, that this is a bump in the road and that you can, you can get through it. I love that. And if there's something that you feel like you're having a hard time conquering, then just continue to do it and don't be afraid to fail. Yeah. You can't be afraid to fail because that's the most crippling thing is the fear of failure. Mistakes are going to happen. There's going to be ups and downs. Every day is going to be different, but sticking with it, staying motivated, remaining in a positive mindset and amongst positive peers sounds like the key to success. It is. That's great. Just pushing through. Push through. (laughs) And then you'll push through past that baby stage and then you'll be the mentor. So there you go. That's right. (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much for your advice. This has been super fun. Thank you guys. The last part we have is a little section that we call the T's quick takes, where we're going to get to know you a little bit better. So if you're ready, I'll fire away. All right. All right. The first one, what was the most unique style or fashion trend that you ever embraced? Mm, I don't really know. Um, Anything good on YouTube back in the day? (laughs) I mean, I did go through this little, like, uh, I don't even know what to call it. I guess like maybe like a little emo stage. Okay. Okay. With like the dark hair and the dark makeup. You did it. I did. I embraced that a little bit. According to New York Fashion Week, that's coming back. So. Is it? Yeah. (laughs) I don't think I'll be uh, partaking, but I did at one one point. (laughs) I love it. Okay. What was the worst haircut you've ever had? And when did you have it? 
Like, let's timestamp it. <laughs> okay, I can I can timestamp it because I'll never forget it. Um, actually, very soon after the previous stage that we just talked about. Okay. Um, so I used to like black box dye my hair. Ooh. Like once a month, like for a year. Ooh. And then I decided I wanted to be like platinum blonde. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I had a chemical cut um from doing trying to go blonder and it was super short like it was above my shoulders oh my bangs were like where curtain bangs would be but just like chopped off because they broke Um, yeah and I kind of just had to rock that until my hair got healthy again (laughs) okay lesson learned oh that's a tough one (laughs) yeah okay what is your phone screen time from the past week. Oh gosh. This is always just so good. It's a good moment to check in. (laughs) I know. And I try to tell myself, so I have a lot of friends doing that 75 hard challenge right now. Oh yes. But I use social media for work. For work. I can't. And you do. So it is down 7% from last week. Okay. So that's good. That's good. Um, my daily average is eight hours and 27 minutes. Okay. That's a lot. I know. I feel like maybe that's a lot. We need a benchmark to know like what average Americans are. I think So we'll give that to our producer. <laughs> yeah. I think it says average is somewhere around like where I'm at. Wow. Maybe like around 10 hours. Okay. Yeah. It's a lot of the day, but we're not going to shame you for it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right. What is your earliest memory as your job as a cosmetologist? Like what's one of the first ones out the gate that you remember? Um, doing uh, the last person's hair that I was assisting. Okay. I will never forget. That was like the first time I ever did someone's hair in a salon. And she's like, Hey, do you think you can do my hair today? And I was like, Oh my gosh. So we ended up doing it the next day okay. and I lost sleep and I was so nervous and so scared um Aww. but it was a lot of fun yeah it, we it I that was my first memory and it was great how did it turn out it turned out great yeah she loved it well there see so she was either being really nice or she really loved it but I think she really loved it oh <laughs> I love that that's great that's a good one yeah last one imagine you could teleport anywhere where would you go right now Ooh. So I don't really, I don't know the name of it, but I'm sure you've seen it on Instagram. It's like somewhere in Switzerland with those waterfalls. Yes. That's like my dream trip where people are like riding their bikes through the mountain. I love that. I know. And I'm like, I don't really know where that's at, but I would go there for sure. That's a good one. I'll go with. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Where can everybody find you on your socials and follow your work and your journey? So they can find me. It's uh, ev.hairco. Okay. Um, and then I'm also on, uh, it's Bloom Salon Wildlife is the salon that I work at. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, guys. All right, Jeff. I love the the thought of like, you're the new stylist on the floor. It has to be intimidating, but she really breaks it all down for us. And no more imposter syndrome needed, right? I mean, I'm all about people helping each other out. Same. So shout out to her for making this happen. We loved it. Be sure to hit subscribe, rate and review and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and TikTok at Read the Tease and send in questions to volume up at theteas.com.
Volume Up is a Tease Media production. This episode was produced by Monica Hickey and Madeline Hickey. Brian Daly is our editor and audio engineer. Thank you to our creative team for the custom Volume Up theme song and for putting together the graphics for this episode. 